Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here is the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm welcoming a very special guest indeed. James Harrison is a true Renaissance man. Just consider a few of his numerous accomplishments. James is an accomplished musician uh, in the studio, on film scores, and for live performances, including, listeners, a stint as keyboardist for The Temptations, absolute legends of Motown. He also has a Juris Doctorate, a Master of Arts degree in Media Psychology, and that's a far deeper field of practical inquiry than we could have expected after the past few years of media gaslighting. He writes The Left Coast Report for Newsmax, and he's a regular uh, on major news channels. If that were not a diverse enough CV, James also was a law professor at Trinity Law School and a journalism professor at Biola University. Wow. So welcome to Core Principles, James Hurston. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, there are many things that I would love to talk with you about, but to keep our discussion focused, I'm going to refer to your recent essay that you published at jamesherson.com as well as on Newsmax called We Are All James Woods. Now, listeners, this is going to get us into the topic of the Twitter files, which you may know have absolutely obliterated numerous myths of the past several years. It's going to be a powerhouse episode, and I'm glad you've tuned in. James Herson, let's introduce your essay by talking just a moment about James Woods himself. I once said many years before Twitter existed, and this was totally random, that if I could have a dinner conversation with any Hollywood actor, I would choose James Wood. And at the time, I didn't even know much about him, but he just seemed like he had common sense. And in the past several years, since I followed him on Twitter, uh, I'm pleased to learn that he really does have common sense, as well as I also discovered he has a genius IQ. Could you tell us what it is that he is doing right now and why that may be important for all of us? Well, I, you know, the thing is with James Woods, first I want to start with your first statement about him, that he would be the only celebrity in Hollywood you'd want to have dinner with. I think that James Woods has demonstrated another quality um, that is courage because for him to have the, the social media um, profile that he's had for the content that he has generated, uh, he knows, and this is similar to Elon Musk, this is sim similar to Donald Trump, um, anyone who goes against this narrative and does it with some influence and power is going to be attacked. And James Woods knew that. He went into the arena Knowing that part of that, of course, is is that he is in, shall we say, he's in the senior part of his career. And that's one thing I, I want to mention. I mentioned it in my article. But this is an, a very unique uh, person in Hollywood. Um, if you look at the part of what is impressive about James Woods is his choice of roles and projects. And it seems, you know, everybody has to pay their dues and they play these bit parts and he's done that. But when 
as I mentioned, my, my article, um, the onion field, uh, very heralded film was his breakthrough film. And he's always been a character actor. I mean, he's never, he, and he would say this. I mean, he didn't have, shall we say, you know, Robert Redford kind of features so that he would get those parts. So he's, he's gotten these meaty character parts. He's worked with, with people that used to make um, movies that had these strange things that movies today seem to lack. Characters plot lines, um, some sort of a message that was had to do with a morally based story, kind of like Greek tragedies and Shakespeare and the greatest tales of all time um, and the Bible. And so I find it significant that, that he uh, worked with um, David Cronenberg and Oliver Stone, I mentioned this, and Richard at Attenborough, Martin Scorsese. I didn't. Uh, I didn't mention that he worked with Meathead, Rob Reiner. Oh, I yes. just didn't want to put it in there, but he did. He went when Rob Reiner was actually making decent films, and he chose to play Rudy in the Rudy Giuliani story. He's forever marked for that. Um, so it's it's just amazing uh, that someone and and if. For people that I work in the entertainment community, um, and I'm also I'm at a point where I'm I'm independent enough where I I just don't care. So there's people that won't work with me because I've publicly expressed my opinions that go against the pre predominant narrative. But there's no room anymore. I mean, there used to be, but there's no room for independent thought in Hollywood, even to the point where now we see um, Bob Iger, probably one of the most respected executives in, in all of business, coming back to Disney. And when the problem with Disney clearly is for them breaching their um, basic understood agreement involving their brand with their consumers by in by embracing a, a minority of woke employees, an agenda that is anti-family, anti-American, anti-science, anti-reality. And here comes Bob Iger, who has always made brilliant business decisions. He's responsible for bringing the original Pixar, Star Wars franchise, Marvel, all this stuff to Disney, which is a, which has been destroyed by the same wokeness and he's embracing it and he's going to go down the exact uh, same path as his predecessor. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because people in the entertainment community operate in lockstep and fear. And so James Woods is someone you start wanting to applaud him for his existence because he's not, uh, you know, walking in lockstep with these non-thinking um people that are, you know, programmed, that drank the Kool-Aid, all these cliches. Uh, we just saw it with, you know, I always, I always loved uh, Cindy Lauper as a performer, but she just made herself into a fool with her statements recently at the White House. 
And so we see this uh, kind of unholy alliance between entertainment business, academia, and the what used to be the news media, this sort of lick-spittle thing. And, so, and social media fits right in there. But James Woods has indicated that he will file a lawsuit over the revelations in the Twitter files, which... And, and the reason I said we are all James Woods now, that what's been revealed in in this disclosure, and now I think we're coming up to the fifth yes, sir. Um, set of documents. And part of the fascination to me, I, I just I have to go beyond the James Woods article, is to watch the reaction of the corporate media to the, the Twitter files. These... This is um, Matt Tiabi and Barry Weiss have released pure factual journalism with backup documents. And that the way they've done it, it is you could you could criticize it only by saying, well, we haven't gotten every single detail. We don't have all of the names. But what you can't do is ignore the story as so many media outlets have done the mainstream media or this thing uh, that they've tried to do on social media on Twitter itself um, misuse of the term that, that now that they always like to use this term in a case like this uh, the term nothing burger <laughs> and I don't know if you're a follower but I mean I saw so many posts with nothing burger if you did a search of nothing burger, all these mainstream media idiots would pop up. And this is the farthest thing from a nothing burger. This is a something burger, a massive burger. And already, you know, we're, we've suspected it's true that there's been suspicions that some of these things took place, but we're finding out um, that Twitter was infiltrated with intelligence, former intelligence employees of the United States government, that Twitter, and we knew that heard this about Facebook as well, we know it's true of Silicon Valley, having regular meetings, very chummy, coordinated, some would say collusion-style meetings, with government officials and campaign staffers, and this occurring prior to a presidential election that has been presented to the American people as the most secure and reliable election in history. Well, the person who said that was fired immediately, of course. That was a ridiculous claim. <laughs> yeah. but, but the point being that we have, number one, a blatant, clear-cut, violation of the First Amendment of the Constitution that, as we have heard for years from the left, telling us the libertarians and the the left that support free enterprise not has, has been saying, well, go start your own Twitter. It's a private company, they would say. Elon Musk says, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk said, yeah, I, bu I bought it out. But this is not the actions of a private company acting on behalf of its executives. 
it's a threat of government power uh, being communicated on a regular basis, specifically asking for content to be erased, censored, for accounts to be banished and suspended. And that is a that is a clear cut, blatant violation of our First Amendment. It's govern it's the government involvement that makes this such a big not a nothing burger, but a Chateaubriand, a massive thick Texas steak. Yes, sir. And and so you know, so that that's the key point. But we just keep finding out more and more about this thing. But James Woods, um, he was specifically targeted. The documents show that, um, and we all, as American citizens. We, and this has become a cliche, but we've all been severely damaged because now we have explicit evidence, proof that the presidential, uh, presidential election of 2020 was in fact interfered with. There was election meddling and it was done by the United States government working with these social media companies and then using their actions. And this was too easy to then uh, have news media companies fall in line, which, of course, they all dutifully do as part of this um, agenda. Uh, and in this case, it was a story from the oldest American newspaper, fully sourced. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the story, the New York Post story. And they came up with, now we know, a a fabrication claim. And, and we've heard it, you know. Um, they said it was the result of hacking, right? It was hacking by the Russians. Which, Where of course, it was not. Before? Yes. It was not. It was not. But the documents speak volumes. And and so uh, James, um, you know, when he found out, he reacted again like every man, saying he, he was personally, personally injured, damaged, violated. And he tweeted and he said, I don't think Elon has replied publicly, but would you like to fund a class action suit? For those who were suppressed, I'll be happy to be the lead plaintiff. And he promised that he's going to get a lawyer. He was going to sue the Democrat National Committee no matter what. And so Andy said, I'm going to stand up for the rights that every American has. And so that's why we are all James Woods, because he stands in the gap right now. He's just one of the injured parties. And since then, we found out all kinds of prominent conservatives were shadow banned. Um, I, I just, Dan Bongino, for example. So this, this is only going to grow, and especially with um, the Republican House conducting investigations. And we're, we're going to get to the bottom of it, get the truth. 
Yes, sir. My own uh, Congressman Jamie Comer is going to lead the charge on that in, in part, and I'm cheering him on. And God bless James Woods and the others who are standing up and saying uh, we want our liberty back. But that's a really rich answer, and I, there's a few things I want to dive into. You talked about the harms that have come from it. But I also want to remind my listeners who may have heard previous programs here, when I interviewed Charlie Kirk on this program, I suggested to him that I'd always thought that only the government could truly censor. And he said, Clay, you, you're you wrong because the government only wishes that they could censor as hard as social media. And now we find out, James Hurston, that they were doing it together. God bless Joe Rogan for getting Mark Zuckerberg to just confess on his podcast that the FBI was in regular meetings suggesting to him what to censor. And he said, sure, we'll do it. Crazy. And meanwhile, Molly Hemingway on this program was talking about how uh, the election of 2020 was rigged. Her great book is called Rigged. And she talked about Twitter being part of that. But even she did not know at the time how deep that was. And now we know thanks to Elon Musk. Well, a couple of topics that Twitter and other platforms were squelching really, I think, did cause harm to everyone. And one of those was about uh, the virus SARS-CoV-2 and its related disease, COVID-19. We learned more about that novel coronavirus. And as we did, it would have been beneficial, James, for people to be able to have access to all the information. But we were getting gaslit by the mainstream media and with the help of the social media. And a narrative was established and deliberately maintained with no open debate. The narrative was there is no treatment possible. Masks will prevent the spread. The messenger RNA shots will prevent getting it or spreading it. And the shots are the only way out of the situation and on and on and on. And anything to the contrary would get you banned, even if you were the guy who invented messenger RNA technology and you said, you know, they're misusing this. Incredible. So Elon Musk had a transformation on that topic from when, uh, before he owned Twitter to now, before he said, quote, to be clear, I do support vaccines in general and COVID vaccines specifically. The science is unequivocal, unquote. And then last week, James Hurston, he tweeted on his new platform, my pronouns are prosecute yeah. Fauci. My question for you, James, did the media, including social media like Twitter, contribute to the horrible outcomes of our response to COVID? And if so, how? Uh, the answer is unequivocally that they did and they still are. I mean, and of course, again, this is hand in hand with government. Um, for whatever reasons, um, and when you get into trying to figure out motives and you start looking at statements made by people, you know, the usual suspects at the global level. I mean, people like Bill Gates and, and uh, Klaus Schwab and, and, and some of the, you know, this WHO puppet that runs the WHO. Uh, you see things that, that aren't based, obviously not based on study, science, logic, or the welfare of human beings. And we still see it. What, what did we just, we saw kind of a PSA going viral with um, Jill Biden, um, along with Fauci and some other people uh, saying, you know, it was like a Christmas card. And uh, the best way 
um, to prepare for Christmas is to get your latest booster shot and make sure everyone you know gets a booster shot. So they're, they're still doing it. They're still out cheerleading for this when it seems almost daily that we have studies that show that we certainly should not be giving them to young people. We certainly shouldn't be giving them to children who are, who really have the tiniest risk of actually contracting COVID or the variants. And yet we have this unseemly ad camp PSA campaign of, of pushing them. So, yeah, there's no question. I mean, we could go back and talk about I, the, the great, uh, I, just an incredibly holy man, um, Vladimir Zelensky, the doctor who treated the Orthodox Jewish community on the East Coast, had 6,000 people under his care. And he, because of the lack of response, he had a lot of elderly people he managed to find a protocol that had a tremendously high effective rate of treatment. And it involved, I I think he was the first one he's used hydroxychloroquine and then he used ivermectin and the aforementioned Joe Rogan, as you know, was made fun of saying he was taking horse medicine when in fact he had a prescription and he had the real drug that's been used for 85 years safely. And so, yeah, there was no question. He wasn't merely made fun of, James, pardon me, but he was uh, attacked and they said, hey, Spotify or whoever hosts him, you must take him down. Incredible. Oh, absolutely. And Vladimir Zelensky, they they attacked him. They attacked Robert Malone, tried to take his uh, license away. They've take, they're in the process of attempting to take away Dr. Peter McCullough's um, specialty credentials it's just outrageous what they've done and they've intimidated medical professions across the country uh they also had a mandatory treatment program that came from the top down in this new kind of medical hierarchy that we have where it came from the who where anyone who went to a hospital could only get one size fits all treatment protocol designed by one Anthony Fauci, which was not a good protocol, which in fact caused, uh, it's going to come out, that it caused a lot of people to die or shouldn't have died, and it involved the the use of remdesivir and the use of um, the ventilators, you know, Um, and, and this whole payment program where they were making it profitable for healthcare facilities to diagnose um, somebody got in a motorcycle accident, got diagnosed as having COVID. And so they got paid extra to pump up the COVID numbers. But the problem with this is it hasn't gone away. And it, that's why um, Governor DeSantis acting, using a grand jury in Florida to go after, essentially he's going after the people that that made this anti-free market, anti-free speech 
atmosphere during the height of the pandemic and having it continue. And that's where people say, well, you know, where's their hope? Well, I think the hope are in the governors and the attorney generals at the state level, as Ron DeSantis has shown. The hope is going to be in the investigations by, you mentioned James Comer, what a hero. And, and that they're going to be conducted because of dedicated, um, people who occupy political office right now, like James Comer. And, um, hopefully they'll get some referrals to inspectors general, get some of the inspector generals on the case to investigate this. Obviously, uh, as long as the White House is in the hands of the Biden administration, uh, you know, or shall we say the Brandon administration, we're not <laughs> going to be able to actually, you know, get any real results out of the law enforcement arms of that. And, and the other thing is, of course, is going full circle back to our original topic, people like James Woods. And there's people already who have done this, but there's going to be brand new grounds for civil lawsuits based upon the evidence that's released in the Twitter files. And some of which, some of them will impact, you know, the big pharma characters and some of the um, health administrators that have overstepped uh, their authorities, suppressed speech, but and are responsible for the very um, kinds of things they claim they were preventing, like people's injuries and people's lives being lost. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a very strange time. That's why I always say it's, it's grounded in spiritual because the level of deception, the level of darkness and evil that we see demonstrated by this agenda that, you know, that the, that the World Economic Forum embraces, that the UN embraces, that now the Democrat Party embraces, that's something that's so exaggerated. I mean, it would make, you know, the mayor of Sodom feel good. You know, like we, we really did a good job compared to the stuff that we see on our news every day. So it's, a, it's definitely a spiritual battle. And it's, it's, so it definitely involves people getting right with God. Amen. Well, I do appreciate so much that uh, rich description of what's going on. And uh, if you got time for just one final question, uh, I don't normally break news on this show, but uh, we're recording this on the 15th of December. And just about two hours ago, James, President Trump announced his plans for reclaiming our First Amendment right to freedom of speech. And it was directly tied to uh, the Twitter files and things that have been learned. He said that he's going to take action when he gets back in the White House, which he intends to do in January of 2025, to, quote, shatter the left-wing censorship regime. And he called out the leftists in government in Silicon Valley and the depraved corporate news media for, quote, conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people, unquote. And so some of his proposals, James, are to revise Section 230, which he almost did before, 
and to establish a digital bill of rights. I'm sure I get a lot of suggestions and inputs, but if you, James Harson, were advising him or any other pro-liberty leader on such matters, uh, what things would you suggest that they do in practical terms to turn the corner for us? Well, I mean, the very best thing, obviously, that I mean, we have to realize first of all, what a blessing, what a miracle that Elon Musk is. And I know he's, you know, I'm not crazy about his background and the Neuralink stuff and all that. But we, this guy, in one of his interviews, and I mentioned that in the subsequent column, um, it does believe his life is in danger. I do believe that. I, I think he needs the best security and food tasters, and the whole thing. But he risked, this is the wealthiest man in the world, he risked everything. So I think Trump, uh, one of the things he should do is have dinner with Elon and the, and and just develop, and he's good at that, get a relationship going. Second thing that I, don't, I didn't hear mentioned in the breaking story is antitrust law. Now that's that may go against uh, Trump's history, but you know, there's a whole history of the United States of, of a great president named Teddy Roosevelt, uh, was known as the trust buster. And the thing is, we protected and coddled companies, um, in the Silicon Valley, rightly so, because there was danger in the legal climate to their initial growth. But the problem is, it's like a Frankenstein monster. Those, those laws were never changed. Section 230 is one of them. But not applying antitrust principles um, to companies that are gobbling up competitors that are growing to gargantuan sizes and staffing with the kind of people that we now know occupied um the offices of Twitter, it's kind of uh, just an aside, 80% of the workforce was laid off and the um, Twitter as a social media platform functioned better than it ever has. So the kind of strange um, organizational structure that existed in Twitter is probably pervasive throughout of Silicon Valley. And unfortunately, they've been a landing place for people who are immersed in wokedom, meaning they're coming from, you wouldn't think that people who study coding at MIT would be also brainwashed into the woke agenda, but that's not true. It's in every Ivy League school, every respected program, and unfortunately, it's been proven that people who are otherwise intelligent, meaning in terms of having a high IQ, great math aptitude, great computer skills, can, can have their mind infected with what Elon calls the woke mind virus, and these companies are so utterly filled with people who are infected with the woke mind virus that I think people who love liberty 
have to su- suspend their aversion to antitrust laws and get these places broken up and made as toothless as possible. Um, and parents, tell your kids to learn to code. And, and, you know, conservative parents, get your kids to, we need a conservative invasion of Silicon Valley. But that's, those are the things that would be on my wish list um, to add to the president's uh, wish list. But I'm, I'm happy to see him do that. I wasn't particularly um, impressed with his new trading cards. <laughs> I didn't think that was, that was the, you know, that should, the, the, the announcement about breaking up the speech-suppressing leftist cabal, that, that is fantastic. Yes, sir. And I wish that uh, just also I, I'd love to see DeSantis and Trump have a more collegial relationship. Uh, the, I feel like the left is gleeful about trying to create divisions with people who are right at center. And, uh, you know, we have to be a unified force to have any chance against this agenda, as we can see, um, that is, you know, throttling forward. I mean, the, the idea that uh, the, many of these Democrat incumbents would be reelected in the midterms, considering what the country has been put through the last two years, that that is absolutely frightening. I think it's so, also evidence of a lot more uh, election shenanigans than we expected in, in the areas oh in the areas where they cleaned up the the rolls, the voter rolls, and where they got the processes where it's harder to cheat, including Florida, Ohio, and Iowa, all of which used to be 50-50, it was a red tsunami. All they had to do was make it hard for the Democrats to cheat and Republicans won huge. That's exactly right. And and that, I mean, the, the laboratory case for that was happening. And I just, I pray that there's some courts that will show some integrity, but obviously it's Arizona, which it, it, it was like a theater of the absurd in Arizona, particularly with the gubernatorial contest. I mean, you have the person who is, supposed to be in charge of the election as a candidate, not recusing herself, and all of the malfunctions of machines that occurred. I mean, it's even, you don't have to go beneath the surface. So I I just think um, if the courts look dispassionately at it, uh, they they have to fashion some sort of remedy, but uh, Kerry Lake won Arizona governorship by more than 150,000 votes. I bet my life on it. Well, yeah. uh, there are a lot of rich topics, and I, I hope to talk with you again before long, James Hurston. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on Core Principles. And listeners, check out James Hurston, H I R S E N dot com. You'll find wisdom and valuable insights on culture, on law, on business analysis. As you have heard, he is extraordinarily wise. Uh, God bless you and have a great day. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. 
L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find her music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.